Did you hit it? Okay. It's hard to find good help. So I sent out a text Monday saying that I wanted to talk about oneness, and I do, just not tonight. So next week we're going to talk about oneness, but here's the problem. I got to praying and started feeling some burdens, okay? I don't know where you'll be next time we have class. I don't know where I will be. All we have is a day, okay? Not to be dramatic, not to sound like a Hallmark card. I don't know what's going on in our lives. So I want to share this word with you. That Every time I've been praying, it's interrupting my mind. It's moving in my spirit. So I want to share it tonight, okay? I'm not asking you to cry. I'm just asking you to be sensitive and open with me, okay? I'm going to preach a sermon that's coming out of my mouth, but God is trying to preach a sermon that I cannot preach to you in your heart. You're going to see the stories relate to your situations. You're going to see yourself in the, in the shoes of Moses and Joshua. That's what the Bible's wanting to do, to put you in the story, okay? If, if only I can preach the one sermon out of this mic, but you can't let God preach the other sermon that, re, that relates what I'm saying to you, then you will get nothing out of it tonight. But I believe that God's wanting to speak to everybody, whether you got blatant weaknesses or whether you feel pretty good about you, okay? God wants to move in our lives. I want to talk to you about identity crisis. Okay, everybody had, anybody had an identity crisis? What's it feel like to be 13, you know? I often realize, though, that we're not having crisis of identity, usually. It's more of a crisis of perspective, how God perceives us and how we perceive ourselves. For instance, most God-fearing people find themselves living right. You're doing right things. But your emotions betray you, your mind betrays you. But you look down at your feet and your obedience and you're coming to church, you're living right, you're obeying God's word, but it's your mind that's freaking you out. It's you don't know who you are. You don't even know if you can find God. You feel distant, but you're being obedient. You're doing all the right things. Your identity is your obedience to God. That is who you are. No matter what you feel, no matter how you perceive yourself. So when we go to God as obedient, faithful people, but we feel insecure, we feel fragile, and we say, God, build my identity. God is saying it's already built. You don't have an identity crisis. You have a perspective crisis. You can't see yourself adequately. You can't see me adequately. You don't know all the things that are within you. You need vision. You don't need a, an identity. You are what you obey, but we struggle with vision. How do I know if it's within me? How do I know if I'm delusional? How do I know if I have faith? I don't know when I'm weak or when I'm strong. You want to be able to bring your full self to everything that God has called you to, to bring yourself to. But it's not based only about what you got within you and who you are. If a lion thinks that it's a kitty cat, it's going to be messed up. If you have all the ability in the world to conquer and to overcome and be, have a wonderful life, but you don't even see that, you'll die with a treasure that you never got to spend because you, you weren't aware that you had it. Let's start here. In Joshua, a man named Joshua, imagine how spiritual you'd have to be for a book to get named after you. I mean, the, the guy is just living a fulfilling life. He's leading the nation of Israel, and Israel has come upon a small enemy named AI. <laughs> Not artificial intelligence, AI. This small nation is standing in their way, and his generals come to him and say, hey, we don't need to send the whole army to fight these people. Let's just send a little bit. Let's just send 2,000 people. It'll be fine. Joshua says, you think? Yeah, they're, like, they're small people. We got it going on. We don't need to bring everybody. Everybody chill out. They send 2,000 men, and AI beats them. They lose the battle. Well, they're losing their minds. 
God has done plagues. God has done miracles. God just dropped the walls of Jericho. They were feeling good about life. And they're panicking about themselves. And they're panicking about God. And Joshua goes to God. And he's crying. And he rips his clothes. And says, God, why have you abandoned us? God, people are going to make fun of you now. They know that we're your people. They're going to, they're going to ridicule your name. And God says, this ain't about my name or my identity. This is about you people. He said, there's sin in the camp. He said, there's a man named Achan. When I dropped the walls of Jericho, I commanded that all the treasure you find comes to me. That man stole the treasure and kept it at home. He said, because he kept it, that little disobedience made you walk out of my communion. You've disobeyed me. If you fix that, you'll be fine. So they repent. And they get aching out of the camp. And they repent before God. And God says, it's fine. We're good now. We're going to go win the battle. We're going to face AI. But here's something that's very important. They lost the battle because they were disobedient. God cannot bless a life if there's blatant sin in it. But that's not what we're talking about today. We all know this. When there's blatant disobedience, you're leaving the safety of God's word. You are fighting on a battlefield that is not one that God has picked. You can carry his banner, say it's in his name. They said, we're of you, but they were not of his spirit. But here's the scary thing. When God says, go back and fight them again, this small nation, God out of his very own mouth says, bring your whole army with you. It shows us this. When they brought just some of their guys, they probably still would have won, but they'd have been neglectful. They probably would have been a little lazy, but God would have honored them and God would have helped them because God makes up for us sometimes. Anybody look back at your life and went, that was God's mercy. I was not being sensitive enough. I was not being dedicated enough. But now that I see it, I could have given so much more. I could have been more faithful. God will honor us and help us. And we have a little bit of neglect or a little bit of uncertainty. Sometimes we don't bring our full selves to our prayer lives, our full selves to our careers. And you're like, how do I still have a job? We don't bring our full selves to our relationships sometimes. And we're like, how do I still have friends? How do I still have people that like me? Sometimes we find ourselves not bringing our full selves to situations, but we're still blessed. But you, we, we know that if we had brought our full self to that situation, we'd have been so much more blessed than just passing the test. You have to decide, do you want to do enough to just pass the test of life, or do you want God to help you thrive? Do you want to have abundance? Do you want to crawl to heaven, or are you going to walk in shouting? Do you want to crawl through your finances, or do you want to have peace? Do you want to have relationships that are barely hanging on, or do you want to have strength and stability? You can bring some of yourself, some of your mind, some of your peace, some of your identity. You can bring some of your self-situations, and you may still survive and pass the test, but you're going to lose out on everything that God was going to make you in the meantime. There's a story in the Bible a prophetess named Deborah called the people of Israel, all the tribes, to fight God's enemy. And only a few of the tribes showed up and fought. And they're at the victory feast, and all the tribes are sitting there rejoicing, eating of the spoils. All of them, but only a few of them fought. And Deborah says, you guys came, you guys didn't. Everybody here gets to rejoice because you're all God's people. You all made it. You all get to have victory. You all made it, quote, unquote, to heaven. You all are blessed because you're walking with God. No one sinned. It's not a matter of that. But the people that got involved, you didn't just win. Something changed in you. God was able to use you, bless you, there's stability. We can't think about our lives in terms of, am I going to be blessed? 
Am I going to make it to heaven? Am I going to get by? Does God still love me? We think about our lives are, if I can allow God to help me bring the fullness of my identity, my full peace. Have you ever looked back at a situation and thought, I don't know why I struggled. I had it within me to do better. If I'd have had my mind, <laughs> if I'd have had my confidence, I have noticed that people, obedient people, don't bring their full selves to any situation that God has blessed them with for two reasons. One, they don't really see God in the expectations and the hopes that he has for them. Or two, they don't really see themselves right. They're either overconfident, but more likely, they're really insecure. They don't bring the full, they don't know they got it in them. They show up to blessings, they show up to promised lands, and they left so much, so much ability at home. Imagine trying to become, trying to grow, trying to foster yourself, and then God tells you, you actually, your dream's too small. Your identity's too small. Imagine thinking that you're at your strongest, but there's so much more. Your vision of God and your vision of yourself are going to operate together for the rest of your life. You've got to see God right, see yourself right. Otherwise, you'll go to battles and you'll survive. You'll go to callings and you'll, you'll, you'll fulfill them. You'll go to relationships and they'll be healthy. But there's so much more that can, can happen in your life if you brought your full self to it. The very next chapter, Joshua wins the battle over AI. He brought his full self, his full army. A neighboring nation sneaks up disguise themselves as if they live far away. They're called the Gibeonites. We're going to talk about it in a sermon pretty soon, talking about, about there's not racism in the Bible and we're all one blood, all those things. They'll come into play later. They sneak up. They wear clothes that look old. They have bread that looks old. They have wineskins that look old. And they say, look, all of our clothes are, are worn out. We live in a far distant land. We're not your enemy. They lie. They said, make a deal with us because we're not your enemy. Make a covenant with us. Let's be friends. And Joshua believed the lie. And he made a deal with them. And lo and behold, he finds out they actually live right next door. It wasn't God's will. He trapped himself. He played himself. He made a bad decision. But here's a key verse the Bible says. For they did not seek the counsel of the Lord. Sometimes we go to God and pray when you know something's broken. You ever figured out that something's messed up in your life? You remember how much you pray when you know something actually needs to be prayed over? But if you, we only go to God and see God and have a perspective about God and find ourselves in God and find direction in God for ourselves, if we only do that when we know something's broken or a big test is coming up, we have a problem, they didn't go find God and thus find themselves in God because they didn't think it was necessary. They thought they saw everything, they could handle everything. I tell you what, it's the little things that you thought you saw accurately that often become the biggest stumbling blocks, the biggest, the biggest problems in your life. Sometimes we pray and we're living right, and then it's the other periphery things that snap you out of service. Did I leave a candle on? Have I paid my bills? Is that project undone? These are areas you don't pray about. You pray when you know that you're in trouble. <laughs> you pray when you know you're sinning. But we don't like, God, give me direction. Let me be aware of what I can do. How can I grow? Let me see your face. Because if you don't go to God every day, you can't pick your spots well enough. You will not know when today is the day you need an answer. And also, how sad is it to only go to God when you think you need God's help? God becomes more like an insurance company and less like a companion. 
God can clarify you, show you you. We don't have identity issues. We have perspective issues. I need to see God right and see myself right. And if I don't walk with him, if I don't talk with him, I will not have the perspective I need. It does not. It's not a matter if you got it in you. Usually it's not a matter if you can grow. It's just perspective. They were strong. They lost a battle, not because they were weak, because they're disobedient. God was displeased. They didn't bring them their full selves. They made a bad decision because they thought they had everything figured out. I pray about everything. I believe in prayer. I believe something so silly that when I audibly talk out loud to God, he hears me and he will bless me and he will guide me. If you don't believe that, then life's going to be very difficult. I believe when I ask God to show me answers about my life in his word, I believe he leads and guides. I read it every day. I believe that it's two sides of the conversation. I speak, he speaks. I believe that God will lead and guide, but you've got to let him counsel you. We come to church because God is God, right? But you've got to let God not just be the God that you're afraid of being judged by. You've got to let God not just be the God that you're afraid will send you to hell or that you want to send you to heaven. You've got to let him be that counselor, that confidant, the breath that breathes life in you every day. Otherwise, you'll always have perspective issues and you won't feel comfortable in any situation in your life. Don't you want to bring your full self to know fully what you're capable of, to stand in every calling, to stand every time you get opportunity to witness, you feel secure. Every time you get the opportunity to walk through the door, you won't feel hesitant to bring your full self to every day. How many days go by and you think if I only had seen myself accurately or seen God, you realize I had it within me. It was just a perspective thing. You got to bring yourself to God. The very next chapter, Josh was like, that's enough, okay? We've had two boo-boos. We're having issues, y'all. We got to find God. So Joshua, he takes the Ten Commandments and takes the Law of Moses and he begins to rewrite them. That's a task, okay? He begins to rewrite them himself like Moses did. He begins to then preach all the words, all the scripture they had unto all the people. The kids, the new converts, the, the people that were born in this thing, everybody. He begins to share it with everybody. He builds an altar of unhewed stone. He sacrifices an animal on repentance. He prays. Everybody's there. Why? Because Joshua knows we've been having some issues about how we feel ourselves. So we're going to find God. We're going to repent. We're going to ask honest questions. We're going to get in our Bibles. We're going to make a covenant. What is a covenant? A covenant is, I promise I'm going to walk with you. I promise I'm going to obey you. But it's also, Lord, let me see you and see myself. When they went to that moment, God began to solidify things. He began to mature this nation. He began to help them. Make no mistake, Joshua knew what was happening. We've had some issues in our identity, but it's not because we don't have it in us. We need some clarity. Clarity is not something that God sends you through a package you open and you use until it expires and you go back and get a refill. Clarity is what happens when you walk with God. Clarity is a symptom of being near him. It's not something he can just give you. You got to go back. You got to get in his word. You got to get in his presence. You want to have clarity of who you are, who he is. This is not something God just gives you, says, take it three times a day and come back to me when you need more. God is not a drug dealer of peace. He is peace. He is perspective. You want it. You got to have the altar. You got to have the relationship. You can't just bottle it up. The very next chapter. Five enemy kings show up and they want to fight Gibeon, the nation that deceived them. They're now allies. They want to fight them because they're a great city and they're, they're offended 
because they would side with Israel. Gibeon sends a letter to Israel. They're one day away. They said, you got to come to us. You got to help us. Joshua travels all night to get there. God says, I'm tired of you not keeping your commitments. We made a deal with these people. I'm tired of you all falling short. We're going to do this. It's amazing what you will find yourself capable of when you make up your mind that you can achieve it. It said he took a whole army all night as if it was impressive. The Bible's acting like it's a big deal. The man traveled all night. It's amazing what you'll find yourself doing that seems impressive later, but it just feels like faithfulness. It just now feels like a habit. The stability that you find in yourself when you actually feel like you know who you are and you know who God is. I know it seems self-explanatory. I know who God is. I know who I am. Do you really, though? There are moments in which you know and moments you think you know. There are days in which you fully feel like you can stand flat-footed and say, I don't care what I got to go through. I don't care what the challenge is. I can survive it. Your pulse doesn't raise. You don't become spiritually asthmatic. You make it through the situation. That's a perspective thing. They show up. They begin to fight the enemy. Five kings, five nations are facing this young nation, but they're not being hesitant because they know who they are in God. This is not an identity thing. They have a perspective renewed. And they're fighting them, and the day is drawing short. The sun is going down. And the Bible says that Joshua knew that we're running out of time to have victory. Joshua looks up at the sun and says, sun, stand still. And it stood still. I want you to understand. There is somebody on the other side of the planet wondering why it's been nighttime for like 24 hours. <laughs> there is some guy 200 miles away wondering why it is still lunchtime. God didn't just stop the sun in one person's life. God changed everything. Joshua didn't even know what he asked for. Joshua didn't even know that when he asked for the sun to stand still, God stopped space. He stopped the rotation of the, of the solar system. If he would have known, sometimes you ask God for things and he does it. And if he'd explain all that he did for you, you'd have been too embarrassed to ask for it. God stopped reality itself. God just said, just ask and I'll do it. It says that God had never listened to the voice of man in that way like he did that moment Joshua asked. What did Joshua do for God to listen to Joshua in a way that he has never listened to any other man's voice? Not like Moses' voice, not like Abraham's voice. What was different about Joshua where God said, I will listen to you in a way I've never listened to anybody else? What happened? Here's what happened. Moses, Joshua's mentor, the leader before him, Moses is told as a younger man, not a young man, but a younger man, through a burning bush. God is a miracle there. God is speaking. God says, I'm going to use you. I'm going to bless you. You're going to free my people. All you got to do is speak for me. Joshua said, I, I, Moses said, I cannot speak. I don't speak well. Here's what God said. Let me remind you who I am. And who I am is going to help you understand who you are. For who has made the lips of man? Notice He's saying, Moses, your weakness, your inability, it's not based on your identity. It's a perspective issue. See me, I'll show you you. If you keep this from me, it's not that you have an identity crisis. You have a perspective crisis. You think I can't do it. You don't see me right. You don't see it within yourself. You're wanting me to form you. I've already formed you. You just got to see yourself. And Moses said, I can't. God got mad at Moses and Moses still said, I can't. So God said this, here's what I'll do. Your brother will be the prophet and you'll be like God. Instead of you speaking to the people, he'll speak. And then he said, I'll give you, I'll use your staff. Drop it. He dropped it, turned to a serpent. 
He said, when they doubt you, that staff will turn into a serpent. When they doubted him, Aaron lifted Moses' staff and the Nile River turned into blood. It's the same staff Moses lifts in the Red Sea parts. Notice, when Moses was told by God to speak for me, God, Moses said, I cannot. God gave Moses a prompt because he wouldn't give God his voice. Moses was supposed to speak to that Red Sea. He's supposed to speak to the, the Nile. Every other prophet has always spoken. Moses is the only silent prophet in the Bible. We view that staff as if it's like an image of power, but it was more like a crutch. You know why I know this? Because as soon as they left Egypt, a young ministry, Moses, has led them out and they're thirsty. God says, hit the rock. He hits the rock with his staff and water flows. Forty-something years later, they're thirsty again. And God says, this time, I want you to speak to the rock. Moses gets angry because they're ridiculing him. They're doubting him. They're ungrateful towards God. He gets his head all confused. He's having a perspective issue. He's getting insecure. And God said, speak to the rock this time. And Moses got angry and he hit the rock with the staff again. And water flowed. He's still blessed. But God said, you did not have faith in me. You did not trust me. Because of that, you disobeyed. You neglected my holiness. You will not enter the promised land. And I go... What an overreaction on God's part. (laughs) Years ago, you hit the rock. Now you got to speak to the rock. What does it matter? When Moses was talking to God through the burning bush, and he said, I cannot speak, Moses said, it's fine for now, but one day you're going to speak. You'll look it up. He says it. One day you will speak. This was that one day. The reason why one time when Moses was younger, he could use the staff, because God said, your crutch is okay right now. But eventually, you're going to see me, and I'm going to redefine how you see you, and you're going to speak. That was his chance. That was the promise. Moses, you can speak. It's not an identity problem, Moses. It's just a perspective issue. And Moses did not speak. He hit the rock again because he couldn't get out of his own head. He couldn't ever change his perspective of himself. He'd always been that way. He'd always pictured himself that way. It is not an ability problem that will hold your life back. You got the Holy Ghost, bless God. It is a perspective issue that will always haunt you. A people without vision perish. He hits the rock when he was supposed to speak because he used that staff like a crutch. I'm telling you this. You can still have good relationships. You can still have a good career. You can still have a good calling. You can still have a fulfilling life. Moses' life was good, but that blessing of the staff was more like a crutch. God will give you blessings that only you and him know are crutches because there was so much more that he asked of you, and he'll still use it, and he'll still bless it. You will still get the victory. You'll still pass the test, but there's a little bit of hesitancy. You didn't bring your full self to the situation, and so you missed out not on making it to heaven and not on being a good spouse and not on having a good career. You just missed out on the fullness of what you could have been, and nobody will know but you and God. Nobody will know but you and God. Don't worry. I'm almost done. Joshua. It's different, though. They get to the promised land. Moses can't go. The generation that Moses raised, none of them were circumcised. That was Moses. He didn't purify them when they were young. So Joshua has to purify them. Joshua obeys every time God speaks. Joshua keeps speaking. Joshua said we're gonna, he's going to part the, Red, the Jordan River. Clean up your house. Clean up your camp. You look at Joshua's life. You see no hesitation. He is all the highlights of every prophet's ministry, and he has none of the weaknesses. You know he had flaws. 
You know he had weaknesses. You know he had sin. But he repented. He overcame it. He never, God can make up for a lot of things. And God can forgive a lot of things. But the one thing he can't overcome is someone that won't bring their full self to when he calls. Joshua speaks in a way Moses never spoke. Joshua is used in a way that Moses couldn't. He got to the promise then. You look at Joshua's life. All you see is a young man that won't leave his presence. All you see is a man that's obeying. Walls of Jericho drop. He's faithful. He's doing everything right. You can read his whole story. You never see the hiccups. And it's not because he's a perfect man. It's because he feels confident in who God's made him. And he shows up with the fullness of who he is. That is why God listened to his voice in a way he's never listened to any other man's voice. Because people that hear God fully, God hears them in a different way. People that show up fully, God will show them the fullness of his power. God honors people in the dimension in which they honor him. In the proportion in which they honor him, he will honor them. He said, there's a man that will speak for me. There's a man that will obey me. There's a man that will trust me. I will listen to this man because no other man up to this point has said, I will give you everything. Do you imagine how you have to view yourself to tell the sun to stand still? The audacity. Like, the arrogance to think that God's going to do that for you. He saw himself right. I'm hurrying. I know, I know. I'm having too much fun. Stay with me. Almost done. I'll even go quick. Fast forward. A woman named Hagar was the Egyptian handmaid of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah are the parents of the nation of Israel. They're old. They can't have babies. God said, I will give you a baby. And Sarah and Abraham aren't believing it. So Sarah says, I'll give you my servant and she'll be your lesser wife. I know polygamy. Put it out of your brain. We'll deal with it later. They have a baby. Hagar has a baby. She conceives it. It's in her womb. Before it's ever born, her Master, Sarah, gets jealous. Spoiler alert. Women fight. Who knew that happened? Sarah even says, as soon as I saw that she can see the child, I just got nasty. I didn't realize it was within me. Women fight. So Hagar runs away, and she's in the wilderness, and she thinks she's going to die. And the angel of the Lord shows up. God speaks and says, you're not going to die. Not only that, I see something within you that you don't see. That baby in your belly, you haven't seen his face yet, but I see his face. You haven't seen him as a grown man, but I've already seen him as a grown man. I see potential. I see promise. I see weaknesses. I see strength. I need you to look at me. I am God. If you can understand that you are seen by me, if you can really, I know we say this, but how would your life change if you really felt seen? Every moment, not that God just knows about you, not that God looks at you perpetually, but every moment is watched, every moment is trying to be guided. Imagine how, you notice how a child wants the attention of their parent? They can do the same thing in private, and they don't feel as good about them. They may not be as, as confident, but as soon as they get their parents' attention, they bow up, and they try really hard because there's fulfillment in the attention of the parent. Sometimes we live life not understanding that if you actually believe that you had God's attention, things would begin to change. You would see yourself differently. Hagar is being told, told by God that the God of heaven and earth is looking at her. At her. That he sees things that she didn't even see within herself. And she says, behold, the God that sees me. That's a new name for God. This at once pagan woman 
Her life is transformed because one, she understands that God sees her, and two, God has allowed her to see herself. If you really want to see you, you have to see God first. Because you can't really see what's within you that's hidden unless you see through God's eyes. The Bible is a lens. Prayer is perspective. You cannot stop trying to find you before you find God. Because when you find God, it's so much easier to find you. God said, let me introduce myself and let me show you what's in the womb. Within you are things you can't even see yet, but see God, he'll show them to you. She goes back. She has the baby. He grows up. Sarah has a miracle baby. Who knew? Women fight and their kids fight sometimes. This time, they have to leave forever. Hagar takes her young son, Ishmael, and they're leaving, and they're in the wilderness once again. They've ran out of water. They're going to die of thirst. And here's the, this is the landing strip of the sermon tonight. She takes this baby in the wilderness, no more water. She thinks they're going to die. She hides him under a bush, for she says, I do not want to watch him die. God speaks and says, go get your baby. She goes and gets it. He says, lift him up to me. Here's what happens. God will always ask you to address the thing that you've been hiding from him, the things you give up on. We hide dreams because we stop praying about them because we don't ever see them being possible. So we hide them in the back of our mind. We used to pray about things a lot, but we stopped praying about them because we didn't think they were going to happen. So we hide them. Sometimes we hide weaknesses because we never think we'll overcome them. So we hide them. Sometimes we, we, we hide uncertainties and questions because we're afraid that we, we offend God by having them. So we hide them. And we're wanting God to show us. Show us who we can be. Help us. But God will always first address the hidden things. Dreams that you no longer believe in. Weaknesses you no longer think you overcome. Perspectives, questions, scars. You can't let God bring you clarity until after you let God expose the hidden things. Because as soon as she went and got that baby, God did not say any solutions. God did not promise anything. He said, first, we got. She held up the promise she thought was dying that she did not want to watch die. She held it up. And as soon as she held it up, God didn't even say anything. God is seeing her baby, and she's seeing her baby. God is looking at her dream, and she's looking at her dream. God is looking at her weakness, and she's looking at her weakness. Something happens when you and God look at the same thing at the same time every day for the rest of your life. As soon as they looked at it together, the Bible says her eyes were open. Five minutes ago, she thought she was going to die of thirst. And right next to her is a well of water, and she didn't see it. But the Bible says as soon as she exposed the dream that she was afraid to look at, God opened her eyes and there was a well of water and she survived. You have to be willing to go to God and show him questions and show him anxiety and show him dreams. I don't care how long it takes. There's no expiration date. You got to be comfortable enough of saying, God, here it is again. I wanted to let it die. I'm so embarrassed I keep praying about it. I wanted to let it die. I'm so, I'm so embarrassed I keep asking to overcome it. I wanted to hide it, God. But until you do that, you will not realize how close you are to all the things that you can be. Every time there's a well in the Bible, it's supposed to show you there's potential. There's life. She thought she was going to die. It's not a matter that you don't have it within you. It's there, Hagar. It was a matter of perspective. That whale was not over the mountaintop, and God said, okay, thank you for passing the test. Now travel this far, take a left, and then you'll find your peace. He said, it's right there. 
You are not an identity away from your peace. You're a perspective away from your peace. You are not slitting your wrist for Jesus, dragging yourself, beating yourself up away from God doing it. You are just a perspective of way. What I'm telling you is this. Go home and get up. Pray before bed. You got to pray at lunch. Ten minutes a day. Set small goals. I'm telling you, get in the Bible. You've got to not be afraid to show God things that you wish you would have forgotten about because you don't think you deserve to hear them. You don't, I promise you, you'd be surprised what God will listen to if you truly listen to him, if you show it to him in his presence. Bring your full self. That's the thing that you've been hiding. Bring your full self. It's the dream. It's the calling. It's the insecurity. It's all the above. Bring your full self. Give it to God. See God. Help you. He's going to help you see yourself. And that well, that's your peace. That's your joy. That's your stability. That's what you've been praying for. It is right there. You're, you just got to see it. We don't have identity crisis. We have perspective crisis. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to do something a little more spiritual than we're used to. Why don't you lay the hand, your hand on the person next to you if it's appropriate? Shoulder, that's fine. I want us to pray. We're not going to take long. I just want us to pray. Listen, some of you are 22, some of you are 15. Different fears, different problems. I've been through this. I don't know, wax dramatic. Most of my youth group backslid. Stuff happens, okay? So we try to balance being light and having fun. But also, we want, to, we, we want to go and let the Lord counsel with us, right? If something bad happened in your life, and the next Wednesday we'd pray for you. We prayed for Devin when he got hit by a bus. <laughs> but often I've noticed sometimes we don't, we don't act like it. We don't pray the same way whenever life's just okay, okay? So I just want us to pray just for a moment. I want you to pray over yourself, pray over your friend. I want you to pray for perspective. Pray that you can see God, see yourself. I want you to take inventory. It's not an ability issue. Allow God to show who you are. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to lead you out. It's not going to be awkward. That's the devil trying to hinder us right now. I pray against it. Okay? Why don't you pray with me? God, I thank you for your love and your grace.